0: Hello? Can you hear me? Thank you. Amen. Today I'm going to be reading Joshua 6, 1 through 20. It reads, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. But the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have handed Jericho over to you with its king and the valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city at once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. Then, on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, and everyone straight ahead. So, Joshua the son of the nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and have seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horn in front of the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city, and the armed men shall go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed from your mouth. Until the day I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. So then he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the same camp. Now Joshua got up early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went ahead of them and rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. So the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did the same for six days. Then on the seventh day they got up early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same way seven times. Only on that day Did they march around the city seven times? And at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. But the city shall be designated for destruction, it and everything that it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you... Only keep yourselves from the things designated for destruction so that you do not covet them and take some of the designated things and turn the camp of Israel into something designated for destruction and bring disaster on it. But all the silver and all the gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went into the city everyone straight ahead and they took the city
1: Thank you so much Miss Mallory and thank you Sam for participating today my prayer is, is that we're going to see more of this in the, re- the weeks to come so that our young people can know what it is to be part of the worship experience here. And so thank you for these two that started it off and kicked it off. Didn't they do a great job? Give them a hand. Give them a round of applause. Amen. Now next week, we have a special presentation by Miss Jordan. And so you'll want to be here to experience that and see that. We're going to see more and more of our young people getting involved in our worship experience. And in a, a few weeks, we've got a group that are going to be going to uh, Winterfest. We've got one of the largest groups that we've had in a while now that are going. So I want to encourage you next week to come and to be a part of the uh, chili cook-off. Uh, it's time for chili, for uh, Miss. Uh, Leslie, not Leslie, Kelly, to go down. Whoever won last year, it's time for them to be defeated soundly. So make your chili and bring it, and let's have a good time, and let's support our youth. They're good folks. Amen. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, go ahead and turn over to Joshua chapter 6. And you can kind of check out what it has to say and what Mallory just read to us. <clears throat> I have thoroughly enjoyed preaching this series of messages from the book of Joshua. I love the Old Testament, and I love how it brings to life some of the principles of God. And uh, Joshua is just one of my absolute favorites, and so I, I always glean so much from the text in the book of Joshua. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how it pertains to leadership, and how that our lives, we are all leaders. We're called to lead. We're not called to have rings in our nose and be led around by others. We are to lead based on the scripture and based on what God has called us to do. So today I want us to look at this passage of scripture that she has just read. It talks about the walls of Jericho and how that they fall. Well, we've heard them many times preached about uh, in Especially in Pentecostal churches, man, you, it doesn't take much to get a Pentecostal preacher excited about walls from it c- coming down. How many of you know that we all have walls in our lives from time to time that we have to address? And so today I want us to look at it from that perspective. It's easy to get excited about this story. It really is because it's an amazing story. But then it all comes down to you and me. How do we make this work in our lives. What can we learn from an experience like this that will cause us to be successful and to achieve all that God has for us? So let's begin with prayer and then afterwards let's tune our hearts and minds to the Word of God and let him teach us today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you now and we appreciate your Word. We appreciate your messengers today. Uh, who have participated in this worship experience to this point. And now we come to the time in our service where we declare that the Word of God is going to work mightily in us. Lord, you never send your Word forth without it accomplishing everything that you send it forth to do. So we anticipate that, we expect that to happen in our lives Uh, We're not going to pass it on to the person next to us, but we're going to receive it ourselves. And we're going to apply it to our lives. Now help me to preach today. Don't let me be fleshly in any way or in any sense at all. But let me uh, bring a spiritual message representing your heart and this word today. And may we all receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So I have subtitled my message today the unconventional path to victory now how many of you realize if you've been a student of the word you know that most of what God does in our lives and in this world is different than the systems of the world it's unnatural in any any ways because God cannot be limited by the very systems that he put in place in this world. He is able to go beyond. He is a creator. He speaks creative words. He, he thinks creative thoughts. And, and just when you think God's going to do something one way, how many of you know that oftentimes he does it a different way? And there are times that we think, well, if I'm obedient in this, then God will do that. When all along, God is wanting you to be different, uh, obedient in a different way, in a different part of your life, and then he will do a different work in our life that we didn't even expect. How many of you know that the word says, my ways are not your ways? And so we have to understand that from the very start. So God is unconventional in the way that he works in terms of the flesh or in the natural processes. So I have uh, three thoughts that I've kind of tried to simplify this whole story. But how how many of you know that we don't run around in our lives causing walls to fall down? I mean, uh, we don't don't go to Jericho every day and say, just to remind you who's in charge, I'm going to do it again. But we have things in our lives that serve as blockades or walls that we have to deal with. And so in a very simplistic way, I want to share with you some of the things that I think that we've got to get in our spirit so that we can overcome these obstacles and these walls. And here's the first one that I want you to get. It is this, never box God into natural methods. Don't ever put God in a box because as sure as you do, God will want to work in a different way than you can imagine now think about this God has brought them to this place Jericho that is well fortified with all of these walls and you would have thought that he would have said okay we need all of the weapons of war that will knock these walls down if it weren't a modern day we would say we need to get a bulldozer To take those walls down so that we can move in and take the territory that God has given to us. We would have thought of everything that we could think of that would work. But we would do it in the natural. But God always says, I have a different plan. It's an unconventional plan, but it is a plan that works. So you know the story well. God speaks to Joshua, and he says, I want you to tell the priest that we're still going to take the Ark of the Covenant with us. We're going to have it close by. It represents the presence of God. If we have the Ark of the Covenant with us in our possession, then it guarantees that the presence of God is with us. Aren't you glad that God is always with us? that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And then he said, I want you to tell them that every day I want them to walk around the walls one time. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to make any noise. I don't want you pointing your fingers at the people that are up on the wall making idle threats. I simply want you to walk by faith knowing That when the time is right I am going to intervene and it won't even be anything that you do all I'm asking you to do is be obedient to what I'm asking and that is to walk around these walls one time every day for six days now doesn't that sound silly to you doesn't that sound absolutely crazy and then God says and then. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around it six times making no noise, making no sound, not speaking at all. But then on the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpets. I want the ram's horn sounding. I want you to make as much racket as you possibly can because it's in that moment that I am going to start moving and changing this circumstance now, that was crazy to think that we've got to do this every day for six days. We have to be quiet. We just, some of us can't keep our mouth shut for 30 seconds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you talk about obedience to have to just simply be quiet. That's a crazy thing, and particularly for Pentecostal people. Because we like to make racket, don't we? We like to praise the Lord. We, we like to make noise. But sometimes we just need to be quiet and stand in the presence of the Lord. And you know what I've discovered through the years is that there are times God wants to do things the way that He does things because He wants us to stand amazed at His glory. I mean, he doesn't want us to get into this system of religion where we just come and do our thing, you know, and we, we, we attend church and we come and we sing a few songs and, and, and we shake a few hands and, and we drop our tithe in the box on the wall and we, and we give generously to world missions and other things and we get in the habit of doing all these things and it just becomes a ritual for us. It just becomes religion. And I'm not opposed to religion because religion in, in its greatest sense is nothing more than a, a, a pathway to be able to do the things that, that our belief system asks us to do. So religion is not a bad thing, but what it can do is it becomes so habitual that we just expect the same thing all the time. But you know what god is one of those gods he is the god that will move among us and sometimes he will move things differently than what we anticipated because he wants our minds set not on the process but on him and so when he messes up our apple cart we have to be willing to say okay god if that's what you want me to do then I will do it. You see, we have these ideas, these preconceived notions that God is going to do something a particular way. Now, let me give you an example of that. We take our finances and we, we, we pay our tithe and we give and then we know that when we do that, God's going to bless us back. But we've heard all these stories about getting a check in the mail how many of you have ever heard a story where i paid my tithe and that week i got a check in the mail and so we have this preconceived idea that when we pay our tithe boy i'm going to the mailbox early every day because i'm expecting a check to come in the mail because I paid my tithe. But what if God does that differently? What if God allows you to come upon a sale that you weren't expecting and, and you were able to buy a vehicle for several thousand dollars less than what you had anticipated? Or, or you went to the meat market and all their meat was on half price and you were able to fill your freezer up with half price meat that was still good to eat And God blessed you with a Dillard sale when you walked in the door and they said 75% off of everything's in in the store. And you said, praise God, hallelujah. And you bought the clothes that you would need for the entire year at 75% off. And you say, how did that happen? Why did that happen? I'll tell you. It's because God sets his people up. When we're faithful to him, we walk in the blessings that we never even anticipated. And God said to them, I don't want you to put me in a box. I want you to just do what I've asked you to do. Because if you'll do what I ask you to do, then when it's time for me to move, I'm going to do what needs to be done in a way that you haven't even thought of or imagined yet. I don't know about you, but it excites me. I like Christmas time, and I like seeing the boxes under the Christmas tree and all that kind of thing. And I, I like not knowing what's in the box. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know people, they'll pick the box up and shake it and rattle it and see if they can guess. And, but, you know, if you know what's in the box, it's not nearly as much fun as when you open the box and you see it and you say, Wow, I wasn't expecting that. But that's exactly what I needed. And what I'm telling you today is in your walk with God, when God is bringing you to a place of great blessing and transition, and remember what God was doing here is he was moving them out of one land and bringing them to a promised land. And this process that we're talking about, is what it took to get them from where they were to where God wanted them to be. And so God was saying in this moment, in this time, if you want to be blessed the way that I've promised to bless you, then this is the process. This is the step that you're going to have to take. This is what I require of you. This is what you must do to be obedient to my word, even though it makes no sense to you whatsoever because I know what I'm doing and I'm going to get you from where you are to where I want you to be. Aren't you glad for a God that oversees everything in our life? Aren't you glad that he knows where we're going? Aren't you glad that he knows how to get us there? Amen. So the very first thing is that we should never box God into natural methods. The next thing that we have to realize here is is that We need to keep repeating the step that leads us to victory. How many of you are easily bored? Can I see your hands? Just easily bored. How many of you just get tired of the same old thing, the same old thing, the same old thing? How many of you, like me, are just sick and tired of chicken? Can I see your hands? I mean, we have figured out how to make chicken in so many different ways. I mean there's chinese chicken there there's fried chicken there's baked chicken there's chicken salad there's salad with chicken i mean i can just go on and on and on about chicken the only thing i really like about chicken right now is watching the williams family depluck or pluck their uh, their chickens with their little machine that they have i i can put that video on and watch that <laughs> And when I first looked at it, I thought, I hope that chicken's dead. Because if he wasn't dead when he went in, he'll be dead when he comes out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to ask Stephanie or Derek to show you the video. I'd rather watch that video of that chicken getting plucked than to eat the chicken. I would (laughs) rather, because I'm sick and tired of chicken. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, our nature is just that we like change. We like things to be changed. But how many of you know that there are certain things that God requires of us that never change? God never changes. And there are certain things and disciplines that God expects us to do that must always be a part of our life if we're going to be blessed in the way that He wants to bless us and some of the you know we talk about the basics of Christianity and some of the basics of Christianity are, are very simple we have to always be aware did I sin and if I did I need to ask the Lord to forgive me now, I you know I know that there are people that say well I only had to pray for salvation one time and never ask for forgiveness again that's just not true I mean, the Bible doesn't teach it that if I come out there and slap you in the face And say words to you that are hurtful to you. And then walk away and say, I don't have to ask forgiveness because I'm once saved, always saved. That is is not true. It's just not true. We fall short of the glory of God, the scripture says. And we fall short of the glory of God. Then we owe an apology to the one that we offended. And that, whether that's in the natural realm or God himself. Because when we sin on purpose, it's as though we're crucifying Jesus Christ all over again, the Bible says. So when we act that way and live like that and do like that, then we have to come before the Lord and ask Him to forgive us of our sin. That's pretty basic. We have to read the Word. That's how He speaks to us. The last time you read the Word, when was it? Did you get bored with reading it? You know what I've decided? I decided this years ago. We used to have these one-year reading plans. How many have ever done that? Have you ever read the Bible through in a year? I've done it several times. But I'm at a point in my life where I don't do that anymore. I try to be led of the Spirit, and I have consistent Bible reading time. I'm amazed at how God leads me to the verses and the passages of Scripture that I need to read in that season of my life. But if you don't consistently and, and, and with discipline read the Word of God, then you're not going to know what God is trying to say to you in this moment. Same with our prayer time. Sometimes we go into prayer and all we do is just tell God what we want Him to do. Here's my order for the day. It's like driving through Chick-fil-A. You know, here it is. And, and could you, if you don't mind, would you bring me a medium diet Pepsi with that or whatever it is that you drink? And we get that way with God sometimes. And sometimes, honestly, we just need to be quiet in prayer and listen to the voice of the Lord as he speaks to us. So we have to analyze our lives. And we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that are important for my faith to be strengthened? What do I need to do? Now, do you think that God would have brought those walls down at Jericho if... The Israelites had said after two days, you know what, I'm kind of tired of doing this. It didn't work the first day, and I don't feel like it's going to work today, and so therefore, I think I'm just going to stop. I think I'm just going to quit. No, God had told them to do it a particular way, and if they had not done that, God would not have been obligated to bless them in the way that he said he would. So what I'm telling you is is that we've got to find out what God's rhythm is did you know that God has rhythm that God is moving in a particular way in our lives now the last few months I've been trying to learn how to cook some and um, this last Christmas we were going to get together as a family and, and put a few things and Donna had agreed for us to bring the dressing and some other things, whatever it was. And then she came to me and she said, you need to make the dressing. You, you need to do this and you need to get that and all that. And I said, I've never made dressing before. I don't know how to do that. She said, I'm going to stand right here beside you. I'm going to sit right beside you. I'm going to walk you through it. And she did. And my dressing was absolutely horrible. It was. It's just terrible. And whatever it was that I brought, it was terrible. And I explained to her the way more clearly when it was all over. I said, now I'm expecting God to heal you, and this is your year. Next year, you're going to be doing the cooking for the family gathering. And I say that by faith. I said, but if for some reason you're not able to cook next year, this ain't never going to happen again. We'll go to a restaurant. Or we will have it catered in, but I'm not cooking for our family and get together. And I know that the children are thinking, praise God, because it was really bad. And you know what else I have not learned about cooking? I haven't learned about there's a rhythm in cooking. I have yet to learn how to make the vegetable, vegetables <laughs> vegetables. The vegetables ready at the same time that the meat's ready. I don't know how to do that. So I read the back of the packages and all that, and it says burn them for seven minutes and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, and then I just don't know how to do it. I mean, my meat's ready and my my green beans are still simmering. Or vice versa. I don't understand about rhythm. I don't know when. To put it in the oven and when to take it out of the oven and when to turn the heat up and when to have it down, I just don't understand. And every day that I preach I, or, or cook, I, I cook by faith and I say, God help me to get the rhythm right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it's the same way in our spiritual experience. We've got to get God's rhythm in our soul and in our spirit. And we've got to do it on his timetable. Can you imagine if the Israelites had said, Well, God said one time a day for six days and then six times on the seventh day and then on the final day I'm going to do this. And what if they'd have said, Let's just expedite this. And instead of doing six days of one time, let's do one day of seven times. It would not have worked because they would have not been in God's rhythm. So what I'm saying to you today is that you've got to discover what God's rhythm for your life is. It's one of the reasons the Lord has put on my heart about our young people. And I, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. This is, uh, this, this is not a, a lack of endorsement of what we're doing. But I want our young people to know what happens in the sanctuary. I don't want them to just know what happens on New Year's Eve and on Wednesday nights or whatever. And, and they leave after worship and, and I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with that. But it's like our kids need to see how God moves in our lives. And at some point, they have to transition out of the ministries that take place out of the sanctuary. And they have to come in here and they have to say, it's a new season in my life. And God, I want you to do in me what I know that you're able to do. They need to hear tongues and interpretation. They need to hear people clapping their hands unto the Lord and shouting unto God and raising their voices in worship and praise. They need to hear an anointed message of God that speaks directly to them. Why? Because there's a rhythm of maturity and growth that takes place in our lives. And playing tiddlywinks has to be put in the background so that we can come and say, God, do your thing in me now. Does that make sense to you? The rhythm of God. I know people have been coming to church for 25 years, but they still like, act like they're two years old when it comes to the things of the Spirit. We've got to discover the rhythm of God. There's a story about a man in the Old Testament. His name is Naaman. And you'll remember this story. He was a great leader. One day he realized that he had contracted a skin disease known as leprosy. Now we, we understand that it was not the severe kind of leprosy because if it had been, he would have had to have been exiled from his home and from, his, uh, uh, from living among his people because you just had to do that in those days. But he was still living at home, he was still living among his family because a servant girl one day saw him struggling with his skin disease and said, oh, you know, if Naaman were only with the man of God because the man of God would heal him of his disease. Do you remember the story? And so after some coercing, Naaman goes down to the prophet's house and he stands outside and introduces himself and he says, I, I need an answer from God. He wanted the prophet to come out and lay hands on him and, and, and pray for him and anoint him and, so that he could be immediately healed. And you know what the prophet said? He didn't even come out to meet him. He didn't even come out on the porch and say, who we, who we got out here? He said a message to him from one of his messengers and said, tell him to go down to the river, the old muddy Jordan River. And tell him to dip in that river seven times. And when he dips seven times, he will be healed of his disease. And you know what Naaman said? Naaman said, fooey on youey. I'm not doing that. I'm too important for that. I'm a man of position. I'm not getting in that muddy river. You can tell me to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then some wise associate came. And he said, why would you not do what God has asked you to do? Why would you not do it? And they talked him into it. He went down to the river. And here's the rhythm. God had said seven times. And Naaman, you know the story, he dipped one time, and then he dipped a second time. If I do this seven times, I won't have to go to the gym today, right? He dipped a third time, but for the sake of time, I'm going to stop right there. He dipped all the way up to six times, and he had not been healed. He still had the skin disease. He still had the leprosy even after six times. How many of us would have said, "I don't know if I lost count or if maybe God's just messing with me." But you know what? when you've come that far by faith, you might as well dip one more time, because the least that could happen, the worst that could happen is, is that God fails and he's a liar. Let me tell you something. In all the years that I've known God and trusted him, he has never failed. He has never let me down. And he has always been right on time. Can you say amen to that? And Naaman dipped the seventh time. And when he came up out of that water, you remember what happened? He was completely healed. By the power of God. There was no power in that river. There was no power in any of the individuals that were around him. The power came through his obedience to God. And being in rhythm what God was wanting to do in that moment. Some of you, your miracle hasn't come yet. Because you haven't been in rhythm with God yet. You may be doing what you need to do but you haven't matched God's rhythm yet. But let me tell you something, when God decides now is the time and you're in rhythm with his word and you are being obedient, you can't hold back the fulfillment of the promise of God when you are in rhythm with God's promise. But you've gotta make sure that you are in rhythm and doing what God has asked you to do in that season of your life. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not then become weary in well doing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, sometimes our human nature wants something different, we want a different drink. I'm tired of drinking tea. I'm tired of drinking water. I'm tired of drinking, so I want something different. But sometimes we just got to stay in that rhythm because at the very time that we feel like giving up, we may be standing on the brink of the miracle of God. There's an old saying that they used to say, and maybe they still do, I don't know, but you've probably heard this. They said, you got to dance with the one who brung you. How many of you ever heard that? You know, I know back in the days when we were fighting wars and soldiers would go to these dance clubs and they'd take a number because they wanted to dance with that one or they'd get another number and want to dance with that one. Listen, let me tell you something. The first time I danced with Donna, I realized I didn't need to dance with anybody else. I'm going to dance with her until the day that I die because I'm going to dance with the one who brung me. Amen. And what I'm telling you today is is that I linked up with God many years ago. I'm standing in the promises of his word. I'm not about to change. I'm not going to start worshiping Hare Krishna. I'm not going to start checking out Buddha. I'm not going to start checking out Madonna and her things. I'm not going to look at what Oprah has to say. I only care about one thing, and it is what does God have to say? What is His promise? Uh, And I know that it's yes and amen. Praise the Lord. I'm hanging with Jesus. How about you? And then finally, shout. Oh, I like that word, don't you? Oh, no, we Pentecostals, we like shout. We like to shout that's an important word because that word shout speaks to our mouth it speaks to what we are pronouncing and God was very clear not don't you say a word on the first day don't you say a word on the second third fourth fifth or sixth day don't you say a word don't say anything on the last day until the last time around and then I want you to shout. That word, shout, came, and I want you to see this. That shout came before, say before, before the walls ever fell down. They shouted and their shout in obedience to God is what activated the miracle. Just think on that for a minute because I know that some of you are waiting on a miracle right now. You're waiting on God to do something, and it's not just a normal thing. It's not a natural process. It's miraculous, and you know that when it comes and when it settles in, it's going to amaze you, and it's going to do for for you what nothing else can do. Sometimes you got to shout In order to activate the miracle. Notice what the scripture says in verse 20. It says, so the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted and the wall fell down. Last week at the end of the service, we'd had a good service. The word had gone gone forth. We'd prayed for one another. And I looked across the congregation, and I saw some of you like this. I don't know if you were just tired, if you were worn out, if you didn't sleep. I don't know. But let me tell you something. That's not going to get it with what God wants to do in your life. You're going to have to exert some energy when it comes to following the Word of God. Now, I'm not one of these people, and you know this, I cannot stand to go to camp meeting or another conference or whatever and have somebody stand up and goad me and manipulate me to do this, that, and the other. There are times I've been told to do so many things at the same time that I don't even know what to do, and I just want to stand there and stick my tongue out at them. Because I really don't know what to do. But here's what I'm saying to you. You don't have to have a preacher up here telling you, raise your hands and praise the Lord. and do a, We do that from time to time to acknowledge the fact that this would be an appropriate time to give honor and worship to the Lord. But you don't have to have that. You don't have to have a singer up here going all over the stage and raising their hands and lifting their hands and trying to get you manipulated to do this, that, and the other. No, what you've got to learn to do is is that out of obedience to God, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be in his rhythm. And when I see God do what God said he would do, I will not be able to keep my mouth shut. I will shout to activate the, the miracle. I'm going to shout during the miracle and I'm going to shout after the miracle in order to give God the praise. I put that in my notes and if you get them, download them today. Or if you already have, you'll see this. There are three times to shout. The first time is to shout before the miracle has been activated. You know what that is? It's a declaration of war. It's when we look at the enemy and we recognize that he's out to kill us, steal from us, destroy us. He's doing everything he can to bring us down but then God says in his word, don't worry about what the devil's trying to do because I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to bring you life and I'm going to bring you life more abundantly than anything you've ever experienced before. If God said it, Then it's time for you to shout the declaration of war at the enemy and say, I know what you're up to, Slewfoot. I know what you're trying to do, but I want you to know that God's word trumps what you're trying to do. And I'm going to shout and declare that I am at war with you. And some of you, you're so stinking afraid of the devil that you don't want to intimidate him. I don't mind intimidating The devil, because he is weaker than I am, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So come on, devil. I mean, he's tried to get me through the years, and he's still trying. He'll probably try a little bit today. I want you to know that as long as God is on my side, uh, I can overcome him every time he comes against me. And I want you to know today, some of you just need to stand up, and in a spiritual sense, you need to shout and declare war on the devil. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. And then in the middle time... We shout, and it stands for a dominating possession. Did you ever see two babies fighting over a toy? Did you ever see that? Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then sometimes they both get their hands on it at the same time. It's back and forth. Have you ever seen those ropes, and you get them for your dog, and 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 you... sling it out there and your dog goes and gets it and brings it back and they want you to grab the other end of the rope and you grab the rope and they have the rope and you're back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the dog's barking and you're shouting and you're just having a big time. You know, in the midst of the struggle, we don't need to take the approach of, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. It sounded like it'd be fun. And when we shouted the first time, it gave me chill bumps and all that. But I'm getting a little tired now. I don't know if I want to keep shouting. That's when you need to shout. That's when you need to say, I am going to dominate this. And I am ultimately going to possess what God has promised me. And then finally, we shout after it's over. When it's all said and done, when the walls have fallen fallen down, then we shout the glory of God and what he has done and what he has blessed us with. We shout out unto God. The scripture says in Psalm 47 in verse 1, it says, Clap your hands all ye people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, amen. Some of us just need to get up every day and just start clapping our hands and saying, I haven't even fought a battle yet today, but I already know I'm a winner. I already know that God's on my side. I already know that I'm an overcomer. I already know that whatever I face today, at the end of the day, when I fall back in this bed, I am going to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, amen. So clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Well, I'm done preaching. I feel like I could preach another 20 minutes, but I'm going to quit right there because we're going to pray and we're going to have communion. Now, let me tell you something. I just, I just feel like I want to tell you that these, these principles that I shared with you today they're extremely important for you to process in your life, so that the victory can come. And I know we all want victory. I know that we all want success, the kind that God has talked about. But we got to be willing to apply God's word, Amen, so that that victory can come. Now this morning we're going to close with prayer. I'm going to pray with you. I feel. If, if you're in this house today and you have a physical need in your body, I want you to come down and sit on some of these front rows right here. And, and the prayer team's going to come by and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. We're going to have communion. And if you have problems standing, I want you to come and sit on these front seats. And someone from the ushers will bring the communion to you. I want you to be able to participate if you'd like to. But we're going to worship God today through the remembrance and the ordinance of communion.